Our first lesson comes from the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. The ascension of the Lord, that's what we're celebrating today. It's one of our most ancient holy days in the church, but nowadays it tends to get a bit overlooked. <clears throat> According to church tradition, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples after the resurrection on Easter, and then on the 40th day, he ascended. He went up to heaven, as we heard in both of our scripture readings from the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles today. And even though it gets a bit overlooked, the ascension of Jesus is a pretty good story, if you ask me. It's a fitting close to the Gospel narrative. It ends the story of Jesus on a high note, literally, as he goes up to heaven, and it ties the story of Jesus to the ancient stories of the Jewish faith, where prophets and holy people were taken away into the sky. It's a good, fitting end for our Easter season as well, as we end these 40 days of celebration with one final glorious goodbye as Jesus rides off into the distance. But this year, this week, I'm having a little trouble getting into the spirit of the ascension. This holy day is supposed to be a festival day, a day of celebration, and we've sung some beautiful celebration songs today, some psalms that reference this celebration as well. But if I'm being honest, which is a good thing for preachers to do, I don't feel like celebrating at all today. Like so many of us, I was horrified this week to hear the news that 19 students and Two teachers were killed in Uvalde, Texas. Just a week before this, there was a shooting at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, by a white supremacist that left 10 dead. That same weekend, there was another shooting at Geneva Presbyterian Church in California. 
It's been less than one year since our own town of Winthrop was shocked when a white supremacist killed two of our black neighbors less than a mile from where we're sitting here today. If we wanted to, we could read these names all day, all this ascension day long. Thousands of lives that were needlessly lost to gun violence here in our country just in the past few months. We read a few of those names earlier during our time of prayer. And as Christians, we do believe that prayer is a powerful thing. But we also know that the time has long since come and gone for this country to move beyond thoughts and prayers and do something, anything, to stop this endless series of massacres. None of us claim to have all the answers, but we know it doesn't have to be like this. And we know that if nothing changes, then these horrific, unimaginable events will simply continue as our children and our neighbors die and die and die. So I'm having trouble celebrating the Ascension today, and I have to imagine I'm not the only one. Because we know that Jesus never truly leaves us, even though his bodily form ascended to the heavens. But oh, how I wish that Jesus could still be here with us in the flesh in times like this. Jesus might not stop every bad thing from happening, but at least we could see the tears falling down his face as he wept with us. The same way the Gospels tell us he wept with his followers when they experienced grief and loss. Jesus might not fix our broken political system, but maybe a few of us could at least hear the words that he said to his follower. Lay down your weapon, sheathe your sword, for those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Jesus might not solve every problem we have, but maybe if we could see with our own two eyes as he welcomed the little children, taking one in his arms and saying, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, maybe then we might start to appreciate how priceless are the lives of our children. But Jesus has ascended. His body is no longer here with us, a fact we heard twice today. The author of Luke and Acts, who we believe is the same person, he found this event of the ascension to be so important that he includes it at the end of Luke's gospel and at the beginning of Acts. And from a theological perspective, we know that the ascension is a good thing. Reverend Warren Thomas Swenson puts it this way, Today we celebrate that the same flesh that Jesus puts on at Christmas, he takes with him at the Ascension. The fundamental and remarkable truth of that matter is this. Jesus came from the heart of God to put on a flesh like ours so that he might take the heart of humanity back to God. The essence of God is joined with the essence of humanity. Poet and priest Malcolm Geit describes this same idea in his sonnet for Ascension Day. We saw his light break through the cloud of glory whilst we, root, we were rooted still in time and place as earth became a part of heaven's story and heaven opened 
to his human face. We saw him go, and yet we were not parted. He took us with him to the heart of things. The heart that broke for all the brokenhearted is whole and heaven-centered now and sings. Sings in the strength that rises out of weakness. Sings through the clouds that veil him from our sight. Us we ourselves become his clouds of witness and sing the waning darkness into light. His light in us and ours in him concealed, which all creation waits to see revealed. I hope we can see the beauty in Jesus' ascension today, this final sign that Jesus has united the heart of humanity to the heart of God, even as much as we still desire that Jesus could be here with us in the flesh to heal us, to weep with us, to tell us to lay down our weapons, to hold our children in his arms. Because Luke makes it very clear, both at the end of the gospel and the beginning of Acts, that Jesus has ascended. His body is no longer here with us. For Luke, the ascension is the end of Jesus' story and the beginning of the church's story. And this is where I want to focus our attention today. The ascension is the end of Jesus' story and the beginning of the church's story. During this season of Easter, we've heard quite a few of those stories of the early Christian church from the book of Acts. We've been exploring this idea that we are all called to be a people of the resurrection. And so we've been looking at some of the characteristics of these people. We saw how Peter and the Christians in Jerusalem were a people of courage. A people of courage speaking the truth to the authorities even in the face of resistance. We heard how a man named Ananias and the church in Damascus were a people of faith. A people of faith who believed that even a violent persecutor named Saul could be transformed into a peacemaker named Paul. We heard how a woman named Tabitha and the Christians in a city called Joppa were a people of care. A people of care who provided for one another's needs in a radical way. We heard how the Apostle Peter had a vision that led the Christian church to be a people of openness. A people of openness who put no limits on where and through whom the Holy Spirit could move. Last week we heard how Paul and Silas were a people of freedom. A people of freedom who showed even their jailer how to experience liberation in Jesus. These were indeed a people of the resurrection, a people whose lives were changed forever, a people who believed that anything was possible if their Lord could rise from the grave. So yes, Jesus' body is gone, ascended into the heavens, but the work that Jesus started has never stopped, not for one second. The ascension is the end of Jesus' story and the beginning of the church's story. Jesus' body is not here to weep, to heal, to hold our children, to tell those who would raise a sword to lay it down, but our bodies are here. One of my favorite quotes is often attributed to St. Teresa of Avila, and it describes this truth in this way. 
Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet, yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. We remember and we speak that same truth each week at the Lord's table when we celebrate Holy Communion, when we pray that God would pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here, on the gifts of bread and wine. We pray that God would make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Christ's body is gone, ascended into heaven, but the work that began with Jesus Christ continues through us. The ascension is the end of Jesus' story and the beginning of the church's story, the beginning of our story, a people of the resurrection. So as a people of the resurrection, may our eyes weep the same tears that Jesus wept. May we never grow numb or callous to the pain of our world. May we grieve and show compassion and empathy with all who suffer. As the people of the resurrection, may our voices speak the words of Jesus, who told his disciple to lay down his weapon. May we be bold and loud as we demand change at every level, as we demand an end to gun violence. And as a people of the resurrection, may our hands welcome and hold our children just as Jesus did. May we stop failing our children through inaction and corruption and apathy. May we show our children that we value their lives and that we will protect them. It's not an easy way to live to be people of the resurrection. As we've read through this book of Acts, we've seen time and again that when people truly hear this calling, we can expect resistance and anger and trials of every kind. In a world that worships guns and bombs and violence and power and money and death, to be a people of the resurrection is to be decidedly countercultural. We will need each of these attributes we've heard about during the 40 days of Easter. We will need to be a people of courage and faith and care and openness and freedom. If we are to resist this culture of death, we must allow ourselves to be transformed by Jesus' resurrection, just as his first disciples were. We must see the world differently. We must believe that anything is possible. We must put our whole faith in a God whose love is more powerful than every force of evil and destruction and even death itself. In Acts chapter 1, which we heard today, after Jesus has ascended, we're told that his followers were left standing there and that they were gazing upward toward heaven. At this point, two men in white robes appear, and they have the most curious question for Jesus' followers. 
Men of Galilee, they say, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? I believe we are being asked this same question today. People of Winthrop, people of America, people of every time and place, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? Jesus has ascended. His body is no longer here, but your bodies remain. And it is through your eyes and voices and hands and feet that his work will continue. Do not look up to heaven, but look around you and begin this work of love and life today. The work that began with Jesus Christ. The work that continues through each of us, the people of the resurrection. Amen.